0: Thank you for tuning into the Alt Fund Investment Podcast. Please like and subscribe if you find this information helpful. We connect investment fund managers and service providers. This content is for informational purposes only. I'd like to introduce Antoine Hello from Ledger. Ledger is a security provider for digital assets, both retail and institution. Antoine, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure being on your podcast. So tell us about Ledger and uh, tell us about the services that you guys offer.
1: Well, uh, so Ledger is a French company. Uh, It has been operating since 2014. Uh, It's a French company, but it's been operating globally from the start because, well, the, the industry is really global and the users were global from day one. So what we provide are two main products today so first a retail offer with our really famous hardware wallets called the ledger nanos and we launched a new product i think we will talk about this a bit later so i will save it Uh, but these are really really famous and really popular across the industry Uh, we sold six million units overall which is huge success when you think about it and then we have the b2b Offer so we offer a self-custody platform, but for companies as well because they have different uh, challenges that we needed to address if they wanted to adopt um, well digital assets, Bitcoin, and uh,
0: other. Talk to us what what is custody? You know what what does custody really mean? You know in terms of both digital assets and even traditional assets.
1: Yes. So custody for for traditional assets uh, was. Traditionally, safekeeping, a safekeeping service uh, that financial institutions would provide for customer securities, for example. And so for a fee, um, the the financial institutions would get rewarded and so on. So it it was really about security uh, as well. Um, Now, for digital assets, it's kind of the same principle. Uh, You basically delegate your assets to someone else i mean you you delegate uh, the right not the right but you give to an institution the responsibility to secure your digital assets for on your behalf so that's mainly about it and so as the nature of digital asset is very particular they have to have a proper infrastructure to to manage it
0: got it now let's let's talk about custody for institutions as well as you know, for individuals, what are some of the options, you know, when it comes to uh, custody that, you know, individuals and corporations can exercise?
1: So, well, if we start with uh, individuals, um, you have what we call the hardware wallets. So typically, ledger products. These are known to be the most secure solutions uh, on the market because it secures with combination of hardware, firmware, and software. So all the different layers you need to make an experience really secure, you need these three. And so it has all, I mean, at least at Ledger, we use all these layers to protect the private keys where the assets are tied to. Um, So you have this first option, hardware wallet, then software wallet, typically uh, Metamask, Argent, uh, and other software wallets. Uh, they can be non-custodial uh, as well. You have recovery uh, keys for for them, uh, and then you have a third option as an individual. But also here is, a, I mean, I will get back to that. But for individual, you can use an exchange or a bank maybe uh, to to secure your assets as well. So here you delegate again your your assets to to the responsibility of someone else. And so for institutional, it's the same thing. They have the choice in terms of infrastructure and in terms of segregation uh, and risk uh, management they want to put in place. So they can use hardware wallets. Some of them still use all retail products because they they are. I mean, they cover a lot of different digital assets, so it's very handy. But you have some trade-off because you can't manage governance on
0: top of it. So it's a one-to-one relationship. It's a
1: it's not very
0: like if one person had the keys, they could technically move.
1: Exactly. Uh, I mean, if you look at the story uh, of the industry, you see regularly a CEO or someone managing uh, a large amount of crypto disappearing in one day without any family, anything tied to him. But weirdly, The private keys of the platform or services they provide disappeared with him. So, this is a situation the serious companies want to avoid, obviously. Um, Yeah, but they can also, so this is the second phase, they can also use a third party custodian, regulated custodian, which would act as a bank. And this would be interesting for them because in this case, they separate their assets as a company. From their client's assets, they delegate it, or vice versa. And so the risk management is really closer to traditional financing in this case.
0: Got it. And then let's kind of dive into each of the different types of custody products, you know, if you will. Yeah. Um, talk to us about cold storage versus hot storage. You know, what, what are what are some of the benefits and drawbacks of each?
1: Yes. So cold storage historically refers to um a wallet that is kept offline so the benefit is obviously that as long as you stay offline the level of risk is limited to the physical world and being stolen uh again in the physical reality Uh, now
0: when when you uh just to dive in a little bit more so like it's offline so it's it's not connected anything so how how does somebody even you know get those coins you know if i I put my coins in a cold storage, you know, how, how do I get those back, move them somewhere else?
1: So you have um, what we call the recovery key, uh, which is related to the private key. So the private keys uh, is a way, to, I mean, it is a tool to interact with your assets, staying on the blockchain, right? The recovery key is a set of words that is humanly readable, so you could keep it on a sheet of paper and put it at rest in your bank safe at home and so on. Um, I mean, in your bank safe or your safe at home. Um, and in this case, well, it's just that you can imagine some people will buy Bitcoin, they want to keep it for a long time and they just don't want to touch it. They see it as saving, so they put it under the bed. and when they need to interact again, they will recover their private key using the recovery key. Got it.
0: Yeah. And then the hot storage?
1: Yeah, so the hot storage, uh, well, is the opposite. So hot means that you are online. Um, The benefit in this case, should it be at retail level or uh, institutional level, is that you are connected to all the, I mean, you can connect to all the experiences with the D apps, with the exchanges, um, I mean it's much more flexible in terms of usability because you have it on your smartphone, typically your your computer, um, and for institutional, uh, hot storage is often used to uh, to do algorithmic trading. You know, reaching uh, high frequency trading, getting the best out of computing uh, power and uh, well, uh, trading infrastructure. So the benefit here is that with the velocity of the assets well uh, your assets are maybe a bit more complicated to to attack because they are always moving but at the same time uh, when you increase the level of complexity uh, thanks to programmatic uh, i mean thanks to to, to, to api and all uh, programmatic uh, logics in this case, the complexity can also be a vector of attack, and so this is why we see regularly as well uh, native crypto companies being hacked or just mismanaging assets because it went too fast
0: to some extent. Makes sense. Thank you. Um, how about how about in the case of third-party custodians versus self custody? Can you kind of walk us through what that looks like?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, third-party custodian. Um, it's really when you uh, give the responsibility of your assets to someone else so uh, it should be a regulated custodian to, to, to be safe because it gives some level of guarantee that they will uh, well audit their governance, provide a proper infrastructure as professional institution to s- secure assets at large scale. Um, Self-custody is really about direct ownership. You are the one in charge of your money. You are the one in charge of your assets. And here, um, I mean, yes, we we come back to, to the reality of digital assets. It's like, think about it this way. It's an intangible asset. It's always digital, but it has to be managed as a bearer asset class if you want to own it, really. So self custody is the traditional web, I mean, crypto behavior that people would expect. But uh, there are some financial services now which are provided by third party custodians. Um, I mean, they are becoming like crypto banks if you think about mm-hmm. it. So it's again a question of trade offs uh if you really trust a third party custodian some of them can be good some of them are doing some really professional work and are using secure infrastructures they, they work really well others like we have seen recently are, are just uh,
0: uh wait, can we say crooks in english <laughs> <laughs> well. so talk to us about some of the differences between a hardware wallet versus digital wallets, you know, I got maybe a smartphone app, you know, things like that versus, you know, having that that ledger or, you know, other, other products that you guys offer. Yeah,
1: so, really, so the main difference between a hardware wallet and a digital wallets, iPhone apps, uh, I mean, phone apps and so on is really um, the, the, the level of security. So first you have different tools to interact with your assets and the applications of the crypto industry. but um if you look at what we provide again hardware wallet start with the hardware as it, its name mm-hmm. Um, so it means that with ledger you will get different components and specifically one which is very important it's called the secure element which will protect your private keys at rest and when you interact with the applications online because you can obviously uh I mean, it's not a black box. You don't keep your hardware wallet. It's meant to be interactive as well. We've developed different apps like Ledger Live to to, to follow your portfolio, to interact with different uh, services out there. Um, A digital wallet will be an app on your phone. And this phone today uh, is not designed to secure digital assets like cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, and so on. They don't have the same hardware, firmware and software components, which are required to get a good level of security. So the risk with a phone app um, is to get drained without even noticing it, just by clicking on a random link that was in another app and so on. You are, think about it, like your app for crypto on your phone is just an app on a platform and this platform hasn't been designed for the experience you're trying to get. So even if it's super intuitive because you know how your smartphone works, it's uh, you're using your fingers and so on, it's super nice. In the background, you may not see the risks that are actually occurring.
0: That makes sense because, yeah, like you said, you could even click on you know spam email, something like that. Somebody gets access to it. Absolutely.
1: Uh, I mean, it really comes from everywhere. Our, our CTO, um, I was reading a blog article he wrote for the end of the year, like a retrospective. Uh, he, he always talks about the Pegasus uh, hack that happened. So uh, this is what we call a zero-day, zero-click hack. Users don't even know that they have been hacked. And it happened to our, our favorite president in the world, Emmanuel Macron. Uh, so. If it if this happens to to someone at the head of state which has a nuclear uh, weapon, etc. Well, you are you can be quite naive if you think that your wallet is safe on your smartphone. I mean, the hackers capable of doing such thing to to a president, they can also orchestrate at large scale draining wallets with a spam campaign with different hacks and so on. So yeah. these are the, the risks.
0: Very interesting. And now with hardware wallets, what happens when you, if you were to lose your hardware wallet?
1: Well, um, you, you can always recover your assets thanks to the recovery key. So when you initiate your hardware wallet for the first time, you will need to generate 24 words, write them down. If you've done it properly, uh you can use this t- set of 24 words to recover all the accounts and assets on another wallet. Uh, we are following open source protocols uh which are shared across the industry and across hardware wallet providers and wallet providers role. So that you know, if you if you are not happy with our services, you can still uh,
0: find your assets somewhere else. To transition a little bit, so now we ca- we kind of covered a lot of the you know, what type of different wallets are out there, different type of custody solutions to kind of transition to risk. Um, You know, obviously custody is a very hot topic right now. We've seen billions of dollars being withdrawn from Binance. Uh, The CEO of Paxful, he even came out on Twitter and said, don't hold any of your savings on an exchange unless, you know, unless you're like really actively trading, none of your tokens should be on an exchange because there's always, you know, some form of risk there. So talk to us about those risks about holding these assets on exchanges, what does that look like?
1: Well, yeah, so the first learnings, I mean, overall is that we we need to raise the standards as an industry when it comes to institutional um, custody. Again, there are tools today which are available to Mm -hmm. to build strong and robust governance frameworks, strong infrastructure so that you give guarantees to your end clients uh, that they can, be safe with you and get the best of the financial services you want to provide to them. With FTX, well, it's been a nightmare for a lot of people because it was obviously more than just mismanagement or human error. It was literally fraud for many things. Um, Regarding the the withdrawals from different crypto exchanges, again, either we see it negatively, uh, thinking that all platforms are, are doomed um, are managed by crooks, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, which is, I don't think true. Uh, some of them again are sound professional and uh, are, are building good services. Um, but this will be a challenge for the industry to give the guarantees again and to raise the standard. It's not the other way around you, you can't complain if your users, don't feel secure with your with your business because maybe you don't give enough transparency, you don't give enough guarantees, uh, you, you haven't done proper audits, etc. We know that the crypto industry is very uh, can be very aggressive. Uh, we, we've seen different moves uh, from uh, companies which are I mean are economically aggressive. So as an end client, yes uh, it's good as well to think about this because an exchange platform even in traditional finance is really used usually for specific operations it's it's not a bank so the regulatory uh, requirements are not the same as a bank and here we are still in a phase where the regulatory framework uh, is being developed built so Yeah, for our own clients, if you want to keep your asset long-term, you can use hardware wallets like Ledger, uh, I mean, any self-study, but Ledger would be my go-to solution. Um, These are the the main things I'm thinking about these days.
0: What what type of questions should, you know, LPs, limited partners, the individuals that are investing into different hedge funds, different fund vehicles like that, uh, what should they be asking? You know when it comes to allocating capital
1: well uh, guarantees (laughs) so what i mean by guarantees uh, is really like to to have the the ability to to get uh, proper reports on how the operations are are managed in their third party so you have you have reports and audits uh, coming from traditional finance which are adapted to crypto businesses obviously it's not the same kind of uh, experience not the same kind of assets. but to give you an example um at ledger enterprises so b2b unit we are working with big audit firms um to well to help them first understand the, the technology that needs to be in in third party custody providers um but also, like to build the processes with their clients based on the available technology. Um, mm-hmm. That's very important. So, for your limited partners or investors, yeah, they can look for signs like this. You, you can see SOC 2 Type 2 attestations, which are global standards, ESO standards as well. Um, some companies and tech providers even offer, offer insurances. Um, across ha- potential acts and uh, other things that can happen. So these are the guarantees that you would look at uh, to, to manage risk. Then you have the regulatory aspect again. Uh, depends on where you are in the world, but well in Europe there has been some progress. Uh, the world yeah, better um, way to read what's available again on the market and so you well you you have very good jurisdictions switzerland has always been uh, a bit ahead in the in the race uh, so companies which are regulated by Finma uh, in france by the amf and so on it's also um, it can be a good sign uh, if we look at the, the history with ftx uh, i don't remember where exactly they were regulated they were working Ah, Bahamas yes so you see I mean you you have some trade-off of course there's prices the experience may be cheaper but it it has to come at cost somewhere Um, and yeah when they were working with the regulator um, it was mainly in the US so I, I understand and I'm personally careful on all these discussions but between regulators and crypto entities, because sometimes we don't know what's a real agenda uh, to some extent. So, yeah.
0: Now, when it comes to governance, what are, you know, what are some things that people should be thinking about when it comes to governance, like things like multi-sig or, you know, uh, especially, you know, as we already kind of alluded to, like LPs, like what are some things that LPs and institutions should be thinking about when it comes to governance?
1: Yes. So, the, that's a great question so we talked about well the, the the base layer with the device or the the tool you want to where 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 your assets are basically sitting if I can ex- express it like this and then how to interact with uh, with the networks so as an institution, you will need multiple people, different teams, and you will grow, most probably. So you will need to make changes in the way you, you sign outgoing transactions, how you receive assets, how you structure the different accounts in your company, and so on. So we we are really building new businesses with uh, in the financial space. But it's also applying to traditional companies launching NFT projects, uh, going into Web3 with different customer journey. Uh, Their financial team, for example, needs to be overseeing what the operation team or developers are doing with a smart contract, because everything is still a financial asset. Uh, Everything with Bitcoin and Ethereum and other smart contracts is financial. It's transactional. So when we talk about governance, you have multi-signature, which would be an on-chain governance. Um, it's quite cool when you are a small small team, very remote. You want to keep things anonymous and you maybe you are working in a, in a DAO. Um, but when you need to get regulated, well, uh, the public entities are looking for liabilities. Therefore, it always comes down to who manages the asset Mm-hmm. Where are the keys stored, etc.? And is there a single point of failure in your organization like that someone has uh, have access to, to the private keys and can just run away with it? So you have Multic, we talked about it. And then you have two different ways of um, software type of governance. You have a software layer, which will be orchestrated on secure servers such as hardware security modules. This is what we provide at Ledger for institutional. It gives a lot of flexibility because you can, well, whitelist addresses, you can define different teams and how people will approve the the outgoing transactions and so on. And you have a second solution, which would be just a software layer um, on top of uh, a, a wallet management service. And in this case, the governance layer may not be secured by a secure hardware, typically. So again, let's be careful about uh, the infrastructure in the space there.
0: In terms of, you know, regarding custody, what should a new fund manager be thinking about, you know, when it comes to custody and in really securing those assets?
1: Yes. So, well, the, the main challenge will be to, to find the good spot between security and uh, flexibility. Uh, it depends on the strategy of the, the investor. Uh, some really want to have high velocity and they will um, favor uh, everything programmatic, which comes again with uh, benefits uh, and disadvantages in terms of security. Uh, whereas others have a long term approach, you know, it's buy, hold, and uh, let's maybe sell in five, eight years, just like you would do with a life insurance. Uh, and in this case, you don't need to to have, uh, uh, well, uh, an exposition to, to very hot wallets. To some extent, you, you can really build a secure governance framework so that uh, you're more focusing on the rights and accesses to the asset. Then there is another situation I'm thinking about. It's depending on the value you need to transact. If you manage uh, high value transactions, we, we have clients uh, you know they, they need to send maybe tens of millions or hundreds of millions in some specific transactions. Well in this case you want to have a proper infrastructure so that uh, one person is not in charge of the whole transaction by itself uh, you want to be able to double check, uh, that your, what your screen, your computer is showing is really what's going on behind in the backend. And uh, you also want to have proper uh, tools to, to, to manage the signatures and distribute risk and so on. And so in this case, you want a human to be involved, uh, most probably. So yeah, some some technologies. Allow you to, to start a transaction using API so it will be automated, but have a, a human validation depending on the business logic. So it, we can be creative basically, but yeah, m- mainly have a look at uh, uh, where you stand in terms of your, of your strategy and if you need to, to move the assets uh, fast and for high value, or, or if it's buy and hold and you need to secure to create your, your citadel.
0: Yeah, I think that's brilliant. That's a great way to think about it. So Antoine, thank you so much. This has been been a pleasure. Um, Where should people go to connect with you and learn more about Ledger?
1: So to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, My name is easy to remember. It's hello, like hello in English. Um, And then to to connect with ledger ledger.com is a good start uh, you will find all our products the link as well the links to our ledger academy to different experiences we are providing the community so that you know people learn about self-custody everything we talked about today um, it's really powerful because ledger is uh, well is a is a company which has been focusing on adoption for mass adoption from day one And so you have a lot of educative content, which is really helpful.
0: Excellent. Antoine, thanks again so much. Thank you for watching the Alt Funds Investment Podcast. As always, please like and subscribe if you find this information helpful. And let us know down below in the comments what questions you have. Reach out if you're starting an investment fund, and we can help connect you with the right service providers.